This is Steve Sainz, Executive Director of the Canadian Musicians Coalition, and you're listening to Make a Scene Canada on Pacific Northwest Radio. Happy Tuesday night, everyone. This is Sherelle Jardine, and this is Make a Scene Canada on Pacific Northwest Radio. I'm a proud Canadian sharing the songs and stories of our Canadian musicians. Make a Scene Canada is sponsored by Zed Productions. Zed Productions is a full-service production company offering the best studios and services to suit your project and budget, from producing to recording and mixing. Contact Sheldon Zaharko at sheldonzaharko.com. There is a lot that goes into running the station and its podcasts, and while we bring it to you for free, we could use some support to keep running and growing. If you love the show and would like to donate to Make a Scene Canada, please visit PacificNorthwestRadio.com and click on the top right where it says Contribute. Click on Become a Patron, and for as little as a dollar a month, yes, you heard that right, as little as a dollar a month, you can become a supporter of the show and the station. As well, if you'd like to be an official sponsor or advertise with us, you'll find the information there as well. For more details on advertising, please contact Pacific Northwest Radio at gmail.com. If you miss a show, you can find it on demand, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, plus a whole array of sites, all waiting for you to discover. You can find us on social media, Instagram, and Facebook at Make a Scene Canada. We also have a group page, Make a Scene BC, where you can post your upcoming gigs, which at this time during the pandemic is mostly living room sessions, so please use this page to promote your performances. Give the station a like on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Pacific Northwest Radio. I hope that everyone that is listening is still practicing social distancing. Stay home as much as possible. Let's flatten the curve together. We've got this. Thank you to our essential workers from the bottom of our hearts for your courageous work. We at Pacific Northwest Radio and Make a Scene Canada cannot thank you enough. Shout out to Nora Holtby from Gabba Productions for being a sponsor here at Make a Scene Canada. Gabba Productions has been hosting live music events since 2017, and you can find more information at gabbaproductions.com. You know Steve Sainas as an acclaimed guitarist, vocalist, songwriter, and Juno award-winning music teacher. But what you may not know is, in May 2020, Steve spearheaded the creation of the Canadian Musicians Coalition to effectively build support for implementing the CMSFL through the Keep Music Alive in Canada petition. What is that, you ask? He's here to tell us all about it. Welcome to the show, Steve. Yeah, thanks for having me on the, on the show, Cheryl. I, I'm looking forward to uh, this interview. A few years ago, I had you on the show as an artist, and now here we are working on this project together, which I have to tell you, I am super excited about. Yeah, I'm really excited about it, too. It's been two years of work and uh, trying to, to figure out how we can make make life better for, for musicians and creatives, and it started as a as a, uh, just my, my frustration with the streaming companies and the... Uh, fraction of a penny that we get for every listen that consumers uh, spin and and uh, meanwhile the big corporations like Spotify and Amazon and uh, Apple Music are basically taking billions to the bank while the average musician's only making about a hundred bucks a year on streaming. 
Mm-hmm. And that's just not right. Yeah, I want to get into some of those details um, a little bit later in the interview. Um, at that interview that we had, you did talk about this idea. And you actually sat down with Mr. McKinnon to discuss the idea and give him the proposal. Now, that was two years ago. How did it go? What was the interest back then? And um, what was the outcome of the meeting? Yeah, well, that that's where it all started, right? I had just released an album. And uh, I was really frustrated with, you know, the potential that I probably wasn't going to recoup my investment. And uh, it, it got me really thinking about it. I mean, I'd been aware of it for a long time. As a music teacher, I talked to my students about the inequities of streaming all the time and the importance of, of buying artists' music. Anyways, I called up Mr. McKinnon's office and uh, emailed him and requested a, an interview. And to his credit, his office set up the time for me. And it was originally supposed to be a 15-minute uh, meeting, and it ended up being 90 minutes. Uh, because they took some interest in in what I was uh, bringing up as a, as, a, as a concern. So my initial um, request to Mr. McKinnon and the government of Canada was that they needed to somehow find a way to tariff the streaming companies and uh, force them to pay better, uh, bigger royalties to uh, to artists and make it more fair. And um, they listened to me, and, and I said, but in the meantime, I said, this is a very long process. It's going to be in court for many, many years, uh, as we see, as we have seen. I was right. Um, I said, in the meantime, I said, the government of Canada needs to provide financial support for, for artists because artists are being exploited. Uh, and it's because the government of Canada and governments around the world have not stood up to protect creative content for artists and, and protect the creative content from being devalued to dust, which it has been right now. And they agreed with me. After I, I, I laid out the stats for them, um, they, they saw no argument there. But Mr. McKinnon's response was, I agree with you, the government of Canada needs to support musicians more, but who's going to pay for it? How mm-hmm. are we going to find that money? Because taxpayers are going to be upset that, you know, we're giving a bailout to the musician. I didn't use the word bailout, but that's what he was implying. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, okay. And his recommendation was that I go and present to the Copyright Reform Committee. And I thought about that for a while, and, and it was a pretty complicated process to do that. But in the end, I thought as one voice, I probably wouldn't have that big an impact there. And I also didn't see it as being uh, a fruitful path to to getting what we want because the corporations are huge and the money uh, their, their pockets are deep mm-hmm. and they have no problem t- entangling us in court forever and that's exactly what happened the ASM uh, the American Federation of Musicians actually won the court case um, and got the uh, the courts to order the streaming companies to raise um, royalty rates by 44%, and everybody was jumping up and down and celebrating. But 44%, when you sit and think about it, and that's the problem, is people need to really be critical thinkers here and really think about what it is that's going on. 44% of half a cent, which is what streaming pays on average right now, half a cent per stream, is only 72% of a cent. Mm-hmm. Musicians still can't live on that. That's not an adequate living wage, right? So... Um, when I started thinking about this process, I realized that going after the streaming companies directly was not the solution. The solution is that 
consumers are not paying fair price for the product that they're consuming. They're getting music basically for free or next to nothing. Mm-hmm. And if you, if, you, if, you're, if you have an internet connection or you have a mobile data connection, you are using streamed music. There's no way around it. You're, anytime you're on the internet, you're, you're coming across streamed music. You're using the product. You're not paying for it. Even when you're paying for it through Spotify or Amazon or whatever your, your choice is for platform, you're paying a fraction of what that music is worth. 9.99 is the equivalent of nine MP3s in pre-streaming money. You're, for 9.99, you're getting unlimited access to millions of titles, mm-hmm. and that's basically, in a nutshell, why our music economy has collapsed. Yeah, exactly. So um, we want to fast forward to a few weeks ago. You got in touch with Mark and I, uh, and in a few days, we started the coalition along with Ted Tossoff and Rob Montgomery. Got a website up within a few days. 3,000 people had joined on the Facebook group page, and 2,000 people have signed the petition. How inspired are you from the support that we've had in such a short amount of time? I'm really inspired. I'm really excited. I actually think that this is a viable plan. And I think if enough people sign the petition, government will have to listen to us uh, because it is it is a very logical proposition. Um, uh, this, this proposal um, is uh, very different from many of the other business sectors that are going to the government right now as a result of the COVID-19 um, uh, crisis where their economy has collapsed. And... Um, most, most, uh, in fact, I was talking to someone today who said, oh yeah, the, the sports industry is going to the government with hand held out hmm. looking for a bailout, which is really ridiculous because we're talking about a, a, a corporation here that is worth hundreds of billions of dollars, right? And yes, they're taking a hit, but they probably have to keep enough pockets to survive this. Mm-hmm. The musicians, on the other hand, the artists, on the other hand, have been struggling Prior to this crisis, we have been barely making ends meet. For the most part, artists, musicians, have been paying to play and paying to create, right? Most artists end up going into debt to create their, their record and very quite often never recoup their, 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 their costs. Mm-hmm. In the days when we used to be able to sell physical product, we'd be able to sell that physical product, CDs, or even uh, downloads on MP3s. In a very short time, relatively speaking, you could recruit the investment that you made on, a, on, on recording a record and then take that, that money and then invest it in your next project. Well, now with streaming and also with the collapse of the live uh, music scene, because what's happened now is when streaming gutted the, uh, the, 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 the revenue streams from, from actual record sales, Artists then turn to tours. That's why all these legacy artists are out on the road right now. They're not, they're not getting the money from the record sales anymore. They have to go out and tour nonstop to keep their, their, their bottom line healthy. Well, now that that's collapsed, there's no revenue stream coming in for the artists. Whether you're a professional musician or you're a professional creator, there's no money at all. And we didn't have any money before that. We were, we were basically living paycheck to paycheck or worse, paying to play. Um, so we really do need this uh, um, Canadian Music Support Fund levy to balance things out and give the music scene a chance to survive and get back up on its feet. 
the basic premise of this proposal is four bullets, basically. Mm -hmm. The first one is musicians and creative artists, professional musicians and creative artists can no longer earn a sustainable living. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. The second one is consumers, music consumers, have been paying next to nothing or nothing for the music that they consume. The irony is, is that music is one of the most consumed products on the face of the planet. And yet, the people creating that product aren't earning a sustainable living wage. That's crazy. So uh, the third bullet for this is that we need to reinvest in the live performance venues. They're not going to be able to reopen their doors, many of them. And even if they do, they won't have the budgets to hire musicians to, to perform. So if you love live music, you need to invest in this, right? It's sort of like someone giving you a, a plant for free, right? Mm -hmm. The plant being music, and you, you neglect to water it and feed it. Yeah. What's going to happen to the plant? It's going to yeah. wither and die. That's right. That's what's happened to the music scene right now. The consumers love music, just like, you know, most people love to have a, a, a lovely plant in their home, but you know, nobody wants to feed it, right? <laughs> Adequately. Like, water me. Yeah, water me. And, and, and we can't grow, right? We're withering and dying, right? Literally. So what is going to happen now is that um, music venues, even once we get through this crisis, and I've talked to the owners, I've talked to the venue, the venue managers for whom I've, I've, I've played and have supported my music, and they're saying, Steve, we don't know if we're going to be able to open our doors again. And if we do, which is months away, even though they're starting to open right now, we're months away from having bands back, and we might never be able to get back to where we were. So that economy's collapsed. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, a lot of people are pretty triggered. They've got PTSD from from uh, from, from this this uh, virus. Yeah. A lot of people have post traumatic syndrome from this, and they're not they're not gonna they're they're not gonna go back to venues very quickly. I certainly am not. Mm -hmm. Right, as much as I'd like to, uh, I, I mean, I'm being asked to come back to work right now, and I'm pretty triggered about it. A lot of people don't want to go back out because they really don't know what this virus is all about. And people are scared, and rightly so. So it's going to be a long time before we get back to any semblance of normal. In order for us to encourage these venues to stay alive, we need to invest money back into them and give them some incentive to have performers back on their stages. So part of the, part of the, the levy is going to be to, to provide subsidies to venues to have live performances again, and whatever that looks like in the future. The fourth part is investing in music education, public music education, because we need to, to support young people to, to become musicians so that they can, uh, they can be the next generation uh, of musicians, right, uh, of quality musicians, so that we can continue to have quality music to enjoy. There's something in this levy for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. um, for the consumers who are going to have to pay... Um, we're suggesting $4 a month more for their internet connection or their mobile data connection, that investment is going to bring them future quality music, both in, in, in recordings and live performances on their local stages and the big stages too. So that's why this levy is so important. Um, and it will create a $2 billion fund, which will be adequate money per year to support all the things I just talked about. Yeah, no kidding. 
it's a, a huge endeavor, but I think enough people are interested and we're getting this momentum behind the idea. And every day that I wake up and I look at our page and there's hundreds of people that are joining every day, we know that people are behind it. Yeah, most people most people get it. When you when you explain it to them the way I've just sort of laid it out, right, in that mm-hmm. four, those four points, most people get it. They, they understand that there is definitely an inequity. What I am finding is when I start the conversation, most people don't realize how poorly artists are paid mm-hmm. uh, with their streams and how poorly musicians are paid in venues, too. The average wage for a musician, and it has been this way for over 40 years, is about $100 a, a, a musician uh, per show. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, that's actually dropped below that. I quite often see bands, five-piece, six-piece, seven-piece bands, playing for a budget of $300, mm-hmm. where they're splitting $300 five, six, seven, eight different ways, right? So sometimes they're out there playing for less than 25 bucks uh, a night, right? Which is less than minimum wage. You know, the old jokes goes, you know, what do you call a person who loads $5,000 of equipment into a $500 car to go and travel miles to earn 50 bucks? Mm-hmm. A musician, yeah. right? That's how musicians live. Uh, and that's 99% of the musicians out there. That's how they live, right? The 1%, you know, the Drakes and the Michael Bublé's and so forth, who have been fortunate enough and talented enough to, to earn a bigger living, have done so. But even their bottom line has been cut. Now, some musicians have come to me and said, well, that's not fair, you know this, because we're talking about this levy providing a living wage for the 35,000 or so musicians in Canada. Uh, by topping up their annual salaries to $30,000 so that they can actually earn a $30,000 living wage per year, which is what Revenue Canada states as being the average living wage across Canada. It varies a little bit from province to province and territory to territory, but that's basically what it is. Now, all this is in the proposal. Mm -hmm. The bottom line is is that everybody should have the right to to a living wage. Even uh, in the past three weeks, 50 senators in Canada wrote a letter to, 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 the, to the Canadian government, to, to the Prime Minister's office, and strongly recommended that every Canadian citizen should be entitled to a $2,000 a month living wage guaranteed. So that's $24,000 a year, right? So that idea is already out there, and that's a really important idea. Mm-hmm. So that has to happen. Uh, otherwise... Artists will no longer be able to afford to make art, right? And uh, the other thing that needs to happen, too, is that because the government of Canada has been, you know, unsuccessful uh, in protecting creative content and the value of our our content as well, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Much like in Ireland, where, where, where artists, all artisans, not just musicians, but all artisans, don't pay any income tax on earnings from their art. So as a, as a musician, if I play a gig, I don't pay any, pay any tax on that, on, that, uh, on that income. If I release a CD and I sell a few streams, um, uh, my streaming income or my, my record sales, if I'm lucky enough to sell any, don't get taxed. Uh, anything that I do musically as a promoter, as a, a recording engineer, anybody who's part of the creative process doesn't pay any tax uh, on those earnings. And that's a compensation for the exploitation of streaming companies, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that actually could be extended to all artists, authors, painters, sculptors, because 
all art is being exploited right now, especially um, I have an uh, author friend who says she can't sell the books she needs to sell now because her books are getting pirated uh, online. Right? Oh, man. So, so it, it, digitally, it's a double sword. It's created us all sorts of wonderful access, both as artists to get a product out there and both as consumers to consume, but it's devalued the product to such a degree because of piracy and because of exploitation that it's not a sustainable model anymore for business. Mm-hmm. And that's just unacceptable. Right? I think it is really about educating the public too because I had a discussion with a gentleman who couldn't really understand why we would want fair pay and so I put it into this perspective for him um, you know we record an album the producer gets a fair wage the engineer the musicians that play on the tracks the mastering company you know the graphic designer the reproduction company the company that gets the music out to the digital platforms the list goes on and on all those people get a fair wage except for the creator and you know that's all we really want is a fair wage for our music and for our performance. Well, yeah, and, and you know, um, our, our, our friend, good friend Ted Tossoff, was having a conversation uh, with someone uh, recently, and he was uh, called me this afternoon to to chat as we as we do so often. Um, and Ted's one of our, our core team members, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Ted's the guy I've been talking to for the last couple of years with this idea. Um, to, and those who don't know Ted, he's, he's uh, the co-founder of the, the Blue Voodoo, a great blues band, uh, and also plays in my, my, my band as well as bass player. So we, we talk all the time, and, and, and we've kicked this idea around. You know, he's sort of my sounding board, has been for a couple of years. And, and today he said, you know, like I had a conversation with this guy, and he, he basically was accusing us of wanting to tax people and, uh, and, and basically get a bailout, a handout. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got our hands up. And he tried to explain to this person, as I have many times, to, to people when I have this, this conversation, that we're not looking for a handout. Mm-hmm. What we're actually looking for is for the government to step in and ask the consumers, put law in place that obliges the consumers to pay a little bit more to compensate us for the product that we, we have spent a lifetime creating. And people need to understand that. It doesn't take a year to make an album. It doesn't take a few months to make an album or five years to make an album. It takes a lifetime to make an album mm-hmm. because that end product is the, is the result of tens of thousands of hours of rehearsal yeah. and planning and, uh, Learning your and also investment in instruments, tens yeah. of thousands of dollars in instruments and equipment. That end product is a lifetime's journey of becoming an artisan, a professional artist, to create a, a culturally essential, socially essential product that services our society for their daily needs. Music isn't just entertainment. It's actually scientifically proven to be an essential health benefit to our society. And everybody consumes it, mm-hmm. right? But nobody wants to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's, that's not right. So... What we're asking is for not a handout. We're asking for the government to step in and say, music consumers, you need to pay a little bit more to get closer to a fair price for the product that you consume every day. And that's all it is. And with that extra money that's going to go directly back to the artists and those who support the artists, Right? instead of going into the pockets of the Spotify CEOs and the Apple Music CEOs who really don't really contribute anything to the creation of art, 
they're, I don't want to use the word, well, I won't even say it because people will get triggered, but basically what they're doing is they're peddling and exploiting artists, mm-hmm. right, um, to the consumer. Yeah. And there's an analogy I could use there, but I, I don't want to go there because it's really uh, an ugly analogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, people can probably figure out what I'm, what I'm hinting at. Um, the, the bottom line is, is that we're being exploited. And consumers need to, as you said, need to be educated uh, on exactly how little creative artists and musicians are being compensated for the product that they create, which is an essential product to society. And I think once people start seeing it that way, it'll, it'll gain more support. Um, you know, when, when Ted was talking to this guy, he asked him, what, what do you do for a living? And the guy didn't want to answer. It's right? the same guy I was uh, talking to. But, but the, really, people need to understand that whatever it is you do for a living, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine if you were asked to do that for free or, or next to nothing or yep. less than minimum wage. You wouldn't be very happy about that. Exactly. That's what people are asking musicians to do, right? And some people say, well, well I support musicians because I go out and I buy records and I buy T-shirts and I go to concerts, right? But that's like saying, well, I go to the grocery store and I pay for the bananas and I pay for the apples, but I don't want to pay for the peaches or the grapes mm-hmm. <laughs> or some of the other food. Record, record sales, physical record sales are a product on its own that you buy. Going to a concert is a different product that you buy. Buying a T-shirt is a different product that you buy. And stream music is a product on its own that people don't want to pay for. And what's happened is it's become the, the dominant, by far the dominant way that people consume music, which has undercut all those other ways of consuming music or supporting artists. And as a result, the artists can't make a living. And that's basically the, that is at the core of what this, the problem is with the music economy collapsing, right? So we have to put, we have to remonetize digital music. And the only way really to do that effectively is to levy the entry point, which is the internet and the mobile data plans, because there's so much so many platforms of streaming, whether it's YouTube. And by the way, just to put in perspective, YouTube is one of the lowest paying uh, royalties. 1,500 streams on YouTube earns an artist $1. One dollar. just criminal. Right? Yeah, so if you take that 999 CD and you multiply it by 1,500, it's thousands of dollars, Right as opposed to $1. And that's a, an interesting analogy, too, because, um, uh, or a figure to get around in your head, because uh, people don't understand that. That's how much money artists have lost. So at any rate, um, it's, it's a very inequitable thing. Now, the other, the other thing that uh, people have come to us and complained about are the artists who think they're making a little bit of money and they don't want, they, they want this money to be distributed according to how many streams they're getting and, and get their, their fair share, right? Mm-hmm. They don't understand is that um, in order for, for musicians to actually make a living wage, we're going to have to distribute this money according to need. But in this proposal as well, there is a provision for those artists as well, which is that tax-free uh, uh, 
music or artist income. That's the compensation for those high flyers. Right. The high flyers like the Michael Bublé's and the Drakes and so on, living in Canada would not have to pay income tax on their on, on their creation. And some people say, well, that's not fair. They're millionaires. Well, not really. And in the 70s and the 80s, those guys would have been much, much wealthier, like the Elton Johns and the Led Zeppelins and the, you know, uh, those, those kinds of artists, right? That is the kind of money they would have been making, and the average artist would have actually been making a living wage under that model. Now the average artist is making very little, and those high flyers, outside of the endorsements that they get, because that's really where they're making their money, like a Taylor Swift makes most of her money from the makeup commercials that she does and the endorsements she does, not from her music. Hmm. So... You know, this is compensation for the exploitation that they're also suffering because they're not making money either uh, as much as they were. That's why they're on tour all the time. So there's, it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win for the, for, for the really uh, high-flying high, high musicians. Uh, it's a win for the average musician who needs to make a living wage. And it's a win for the consumer who will now have quality music to enjoy for years and years to come. Otherwise, it's going to atrophy. And it's a win for the business owners who want to have live music because now they'll be able to get some, some uh, money for that as well. And also a win for the creators because there'll be some money for funding and a win for public education so that the young musicians have the funding that they need in order to become competent musicians and continue creating music for the consumer uh, who needs music in their lives every single day. Really, that last statement is the... The, the crux of this whole proposal. Yeah, exactly. Another question has come up. How do musicians get vetted? So that's, that's come up quite a bit. You know, um, professional musicians want to know, hey, how, how, how do I know that, uh, you know, get someone out there who wants to cash in on this, on this fund who isn't really a professional musician isn't going to get in there and take some of the money that rightfully belongs to professionals and not people who want to come out of the woodwork and say, oh, I'm a musician. Now, mm-hmm. Right? So, in our, in our profession, we have associations. Um, for creators, it's SOCAN, Society of Composers and Publishers in Canada. And they have an application process. It's free, but they have an application process that makes potential members prove that they are serious musicians, that they're serious creators, right? Um, so their application process has some boxes that you need to check before you can become a member. Uh, the music associations across Canada, like Music BC, Music Saskatchewan, Music Alberta, etc., Music Nova Scotia, they all have membership processes for for people to be members, and you have to actually pay into those those ones, right? You have to buy a membership. Uh, Canadian uh, Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences also has uh, a fee that you need to pay, and I think there's some checks and balances there too. Uh, Factor is a really good example. A Factor is an organization that, for those who don't know, that provides uh, grants to uh, to artists, and they will also benefit from this levy because there will be money to be given to those creative funding sources to distribute this money. They actually have sort of an apprentice level one, level two, level three, level four system. So when you apply for a grant, you can only access that grant to a certain level, depending on your experience and your success. So um, we could have something similar in place for vetting artists uh, to qualify 
for this uh, Canadian Music um, uh, Support Fund levy, um, uh, so for the fund. So there are ways for us to make sure that we can screen musicians and make sure that and creators to make sure that they are in fact legitimate professional musicians trying to make a living from their art, whether it's full-time or part-time, but they have to be seriously trying to actually earn an income from, from their art. And that's how we'll get, get musicians. There are ways to do it. We'll, we'll have to look at the details more closely as we get there, but you know, that's you know, the framework of it. Awesome. I know the pivotal moment for me getting involved and thank you again for bringing Mark and I on board. A few weeks ago, I was checking out CD Baby, my payment site, and seeing how many singles and albums we had sold for my band head and 55 albums in a few months and a dollar eleven in our account. And I went through the pages and pages of downloads and there were so many that we had actually sold that paid zero cents to 0.0017. And it's not that I was oblivious. I'd known all along that you don't get paid very much, but I think you're sucked into the marketing aspect of it that musicians have to have your music out there for people to find you. And so we've just kind of been really um, complacent over the years. And so now it's just no more. We cannot sit idly by accepting this reality. And so many musicians are absolutely on board with this. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on board. I couldn't have done this without you guys. You you guys are trusted friends with lots of experience. And this whole team just has such a depth of experience um, and knowledge about the the music industry. Um, So, you know, the success we've had in a week is testament to the amount of experience and, and work ethic that this team has um, and, and the passion for not only creating music but wanting to help others. You and Mark have done an amazing job with Make a Scene and now Make a Scene Canada. Uh, that's why I came to you guys because you're, 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 you're amazing uh, organizers and positive force uh, of bringing the music community together. Uh, Ted's been an incredible, and, and Rob Montgomery uh, as well, incredible guys for, for reaching out to musicians and motivating them to be the best they can be. Rob's done amazing things in, you know, under very difficult circumstances, creating work uh, for musicians and putting on successful concerts mm-hmm. um, uh, for many, many, many years. Well, I grew up with, with, with Rob. We, we went to high school together. Um, you know, and Robert Campbell, Nova Scotia, who was my keyboard player way back in Mud Dog days, early early Mud Dog days in the late '90s. Again, another guy who uh, has lots of experience being uh, president of music festival at Maple Ridge and and uh, organizing all sorts of, of uh, activities. And now has taken taken his expertise out to the East Coast. And uh, great to have him on board as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Great to have people like Ken Boyer who, who stepped up to create a, a new logo for us. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, uh, you know, and Rob's been working hard at creating the, the website, new website for us. Uh, uh, Robert Campbell has been. Um, so what a, what a great team, mm-hmm. you know. And and um, hopefully, you know, the uh, the reputations that we've developed over over the many years of being performers and recording artists will hopefully gain us some trust with our music community that. We do have their best interests at heart, and full 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 disclosure for me, because I'm a professional because I'm a professional teacher as well. I'm a I'm, I'm a public school teacher. I earn a salary. I have a really good salary as a, as a public school teacher of 33 years. I have a pension that I can rely on. You know, when I decide to to retire, I don't qualify for any of this benefit. 
I'd be outside the tax bracket that would, you know, allow you to cut, to, to qualify for this. Uh, the very most I might see out of this is a few extra gigs if we can get the venues, you know, uh, back on their feet and maybe a small tax break on, on, on income that I earn from that, the small income that I earn from that each year. But my primary income is a, is a public school teacher. So mm-hmm. I really don't have a, a huge stake in this personally. My stake in this really is, as a, as a teacher, as a music teacher, I really worry, I'm really, really urgently concerned about the futures of my music students and the fact that they won't get to enjoy the same level of of, of uh, gratification of performing on stage and, and, and pursuing their dreams to be professional musicians because there won't be a stage there for them and there won't be the ability for them to create records because there won't be any money to, to support that, right? So we've been really privileged, you and I, Sherelle. We've, we've enjoyed a really great music career mm-hmm. at this point, you know, and recording and, and touring and, and playing on all sorts of stages. Uh, and sharing our music and our passion with, with, with music music fans. My students might not get that opportunity, and that's my biggest motivation for doing this right now, is to try and help rebuild the music economy so that those kids have somewhere to go for their careers. Absolutely. Bravo for that statement. They are the next generation coming up. Yeah, they, they, they truly are. And uh, if you're a music consumer out there and you're worried about you know having to pay four bucks a month, uh, on top of your 9.99 Spotify account or 14.99 premium account, I'm asking you to please reflect on what that money is actually buying you. It's buying you unlimited access to all the music content in the world for just 9.99 or 14.99, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to ask yourself: Is that fair compensation to the creators whose music you're enjoying? And for the price of a cup of a fancy cup of coffee uh, a month extra, you will be putting two billion dollars of funding into our music economy that will support musicians. The equivalent of buying four ninety-nine cent MP3s, right, mm-hmm. is what you're going to be paying extra to support the music community in Canada and help us become better. And, uh, at creating music for you to enjoy uh, and meet your daily needs uh, culturally and socially and in terms of wellness and mental health, right? Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. Four and hopefully bucks. Canadians will support that. I think they will. I think, they I think will. this crisis has proven that Canadians know how to come together to support each other. And that's really what we're counting on with the, uh, the Canadian Musicians Coalition and the uh, Keep Music Alive in Canada campaign. Absolutely. What are the next steps we're going to take to push this agenda forward? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And the very first step is we need every Canadian out there to sign this petition. And you can find that petition on, uh, on our website, uh, CanadianMusiciansCoalition.ca. Uh, there's a couple of links on there that you can get on, get onto the new website. It's really easy to navigate. And just sign that petition. Don't worry about getting spam. After you sign it, you can go back. You can uh, unsubscribe so you don't get those emails afterwards. I do it all the time, and it works. Uh, but we really need your signature on that petition. Uh, once we have enough signatures, so right now we're sitting at about 2,000, then I can follow up with... Uh, both the minister, the BC Minister of Tourism, uh, Arts and Culture, Lisa Bear, who already has this, this proposal, thanks to 
MLA Bob Deef, uh, who really jumped at supporting this. We had a really great chat a couple of weeks ago, and he immediately forwarded it to, uh, to the Minister of uh, Tourism, Arts and Culture, Lisa Baer. And he's, he's, he's there to support us. So thank you, Bob D, for doing that. Um, and Bob, incidentally, was our executive director of Music BC for many, many years, mm-hmm. too. So lots of, uh, lots of experience and a two-time two GM nominee as well. So great to have him in our corner. And I also sent it out to the um, uh, Heritage Minister of Canada, uh, Stephen uh, Gibault, and I probably probably butchered his last name, so I apologize for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my French is not great. He's okay. Uh, but but uh, uh, the Minister uh, of Heritage uh, now has this as well. His office has confirmed that they've received the, the proposal. And once we have the signatures, then we can we can follow up with the government and and show that there is significant support for this. And uh, I've requested from the uh, the Minister of Heritage to introduce this proposal as a private member's bill in Parliament, so that it can get reading uh, and be considered uh, for uh, legislate being put into legislation, being put into law. So ultimately, that's the goal. Uh, in between that. We're reaching out to all the music associations. Uh, I know that our uh, AFM and CFM, which is the Canadian Federation of Musicians Unions, have approached us. Uh, I'm hoping that we can we can work together and, and get this petition out to their members. I'll be reaching out to all the uh, music industry associations across Canada, like Music BC and all the other provincial and territorial uh, music associations, all the way to Nova Scotia and through Nunavut and the Yukon and the Northwest Territories, um, and try and align with them. Bobby reached out to Karis, and I've reached out to Music Canada. I'll be reaching out to them again, and also to Music Counts. I reached out to my good friend Nick Godsley yesterday, because uh, Music Counts hopefully will accept money from this uh, fund as well to support public music education, because they would be the best people to distribute this money mm-hmm. equitably amongst the schools in need across Canada. Um, so... That's the next step, is, is, is uh, getting to uh, align with all the music associations and PROs and, and uh, organizations that support professional musicians across the country and work together as one united voice to make this happen. Hopefully we'll have the support of people on this petition, because really, when it comes down to it, that petition is absolutely critical. It's the centerpiece of this whole thing. I would like to see 10,000 signatures yeah. uh, within the next few weeks. If we get that, that would be an awesome start. And if we get to 30,000, that would be even better, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the plan right now. That's the strategy. Awesome. And we're also inviting people to bring their friends to our Facebook group. Yeah. Invite your yeah, friends, sure, invite sure, anybody sure. that loves music, that's in the industry, just keep on sharing it. And um, you can find it. I mean, if, if you're friends of myself or Mark Gladstone or any of the other people and yourself, um, just go on there. We're, we're constantly putting it on our pages, so it's easy to find it. Yeah, it's, it's so critical. And I guess, you know, if people still have questions in their minds, they really do need to realize that, sure, you can go and listen to the back catalog that you have right now for forever, but if you are wanting music to continue to grow and you want a new Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, if you want the next Led Zeppelin to come up or you want the next exciting, groundbreaking act that's going to take music in a different direction, an exciting direction, you know, uh, much like Van Halen did, you know, in, in the uh, late 70s, uh, early 80s, 
If you want to see that kind of innovation in music, you need to support it with your dollars. Mm -hmm. Because those kinds of innovations happened at a time when there were huge budgets, there were record companies, there were promoters, there were A&R people uh, who helped the artists develop their talent and gave them the budgets they needed in the recording studio to really take the time to create Yes, it's great that I can create an album on my MacBook that I'm sitting in front of right now in my in my little little music cave in my room here uh, in my house. But it's not the same as going into a studio and having an experienced producer work with you and afford you the time and a professional, you know, engineer, you know, someone like uh, Sheldon Zaharko who, you know, is a brilliant, brilliant engineer. Mm-hmm. How I would love to have the budget to work with someone like Sheldon. I know right? we're so I mean, we're so fortunate. <laughs> yeah, you've done it many times. He's such yeah. an amazing team member for you, you know. But he needs to be paid, mm-hmm. and and you can't and you can't create music uh, at that level at that quality. Like you were fortunate enough to be able to go into the warehouse mm-hmm. with a grant, I believe, right? Yes. Um, and and record in there, but you you know we can't do that every day, no. and you can't. You know, it's very difficult to, to secure those grants, and you're lucky if you can get one, you know. And people don't understand, in order to get those grants, we have to actually pay grant writers quite often to be successful. So it's not really a lot of money. But without those supports, without being able to go into a studio with a professional team, you're really not going to see the kind of works that we enjoyed in the 70s and the 80s and the 60s even. I mean, where would the Beatles have been without George Martin? Yeah, no kidding. Like, like people don't understand that there was a bigger part to the equation than than just the four Beatles. You know, yeah. uh, George Martin was was that fifth Beatle, and he was. And anyone, like if you talk to Paul McCartney today, he would tell you how important George Martin was to the equation. Like those amazing hits probably would not have happened without George Martin in the room, right? So people need to understand that, you know. That level of music happens with a huge budget. Those budgets aren't there now. When I went to the uh, Juno Awards uh, Q&A for the uh, Juno Award-winning and nominated producers and engineers, I I did that in Hamilton when I was at the Junos, and I I did it uh, uh, when the Junos were in Vancouver. And both times, I listened to the stories of these producers and engineers and how their budgets had been cut down to a tenth of what they used to enjoy and the shortcuts that they need to take in order to produce music at a budget that they can recoup or at least afford so they can continue to feed their families, Hmm. right? So instead of spending hours cultivating a vocalist and and getting a vocalist to sing to the level of a Freddie Mercury, they have a vocalist come in and do two or three takes and they send it off to the Melodyne editor and it's auto-tuned and, and homogenized and cut back mm-hmm. and, and cut to the grid. And you end up with stuff that sounds the same, yeah. right? And it's the same. They're using samples for the kick drums and yeah. samples for the guitar sounds. and It's all samples, right? And there's very little human element left in the creative process now uh, for, for a lot of these records because they're trying to turn these records out as quickly as possible it's not about creating a timeless hit now. It's about creating ear candy that's going to get enough streams that they can put, you know, some more money into their account to create the next one and, and the next one, next one, next one. So it's disposable now. They're like big lighters. Like, pick a color, turn the flame up, chuck it, grab the next one. Yeah. There's no timeless artists anymore. And um, 
Uh, that's a shame. And I don't mean to criticize the artists out there, but the reality is, is they just don't have the budgets that, um, that, that we used to have. I mean, Billie Eilish did her, you know, Grammy award-winning album in her parents' bedroom. But I had a professional mixer and a professional producer. Mm-hmm. My question is, are we going to be talking about Billie Eilish in 20 years? The way we are about Freddie Mercury now. Yeah. Right? That's the question we'll talk about when I have you back on the show in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? But, you know, if people want, you know, like, I mean, look, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody became a movie and everybody went nuts and, mm-hmm. and, and raved and raved and raved and raved about how great that was. Well, it was great because there was a budget there and the, the, those, those artists were cultivated by a huge professional team, mm-hmm. right? Yes, Freddie Mercury was brilliant. You know, as was the entire, you know, Brian May and, and the entire band, but they also had a team behind them that helped them, you know, fulfill their vision. And that's what's missing now. And uh, there's articles about that in the proposal. There's lots of hyperlinks in there. So when you go to the site, click on the hyperlinks, and you'll, you'll get the backstory that I'm trying to explain here in, in 30 minutes. Um, but the, the reality is, is that if, you, if you're truly a music fan and you want music to be great again, you need to invest in it. And this $4 a month on your internet account and your data plan uh, will accomplish amazing things with a $2 billion fund per year to re-energize the music economy and allow musicians and artists to earn a living wage um, that sustains them and allows them the time to actually be artists and not spend you know, their, their days working a minimum wage job somewhere and then trying to find the energy later in the day to try and put a couple of hours aside for their art. Absolutely. For artists to really truly be artists, you need to afford them the ability to be a professional artist full-time. And uh, most artists don't enjoy that right now. They, they can't. It's, it's almost it's impossible, right? Yeah. Uh, once upon a time, artists were patrons of the king. <laughs> well, we need to go back to, and I read an article the other day that actually said that in order for art to survive, art has to once again become patronized by the country. It has to become publicly funded to create endeavor because uh, the capitalist model has collapsed now and it just isn't going to support itself. You know, this isn't a unique idea. Other people are thinking about it. I think we're just the ones who've come up with an idea and actually put the tools in their hand to hand over to the government and say, here's how you can how you can fund this. Put a levy on the internet and data, four bucks a month. Uh, you'll create a $2 billion fund. Take that $2 billion fund, support the musicians, support the venues that support musicians, support music education, and put some money into uh, creative funds again so that artists can go into the studio and create amazing music. That's basically it. Awesome, Steve. Well, thank you so much for being on Make a Scene Canada and uh, for musicians and music lovers and people in the industry that want more information, they can go to canadianmusicianscoalition.ca. You can sign the petition at that point, find it there, and also read the proposal. And um, we're going to be hearing a lot more about this as we go along and more people yeah, join read us. read the proposal. Feel free to, to, to drop us a line and ask a question. We're happy to answer your questions. And uh, as Cheryl said, please, please, please read, read the proposal, read it thoroughly, really think about 
you know, what does music mean to you? How much do you value music? And is it worth an extra four bucks a month to actually create a viable business plan that sustains musicians and sustains the, the music economy so we can all enjoy great music for years and years and years to come? Thank you, Steve, for being on the show. Please visit CanadianMusiciansCoalition.ca for more information. It's crucial that everyone signs the petition, and you can find the link there. And that's tonight's show, but I will be back next Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for another episode of Make a Scene Canada on Pacific Northwest Radio to bring you more Canadian musicians and their music. Leave the station on 24-7. It's music online all the time, and you can find your favorite programs at PacificNorthwestRadio.com. And if you miss a show, just go to our website and click On Demand and subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, plus a whole array of sites. All there waiting for you. Big shout out to my Make a Scene Canada sponsor, Sheldon Zaharko from Zed Productions. All you rock stars ready to record your new album or single, check out Zed Productions at SheldonZaharko.com. The music that you're listening to right now is from my band Head, recorded with Sheldon, and you can find more Head at headmusic.ca, and you can hear my softer side, Stone Poets, at stonepoets.ca. Find all my projects and social media links on shereljardine.ca, and please get in touch because I love hearing from you. I usually say get out and enjoy live music, but... With COVID-19 still having a hold on us, I say, stay home and take this time to discover new music. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you again next Tuesday night for another episode of Make a Scene Canada, right here on Pacific Northwest Radio. Bridging.